Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Good morning, Love City Church. I hope you're having a great day today. We are recording this um, after the fact. We were having some technical difficulties um, on our Sunday gatherings. Had to come back and do a little recording here. And so I hope you enjoy this message that we shared on June 15th uh, called The Power of Routine, talking about, um, about something that's super, super important for every dad in this place. This is coming to you on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day. And uh, we are talking about something that we see in scripture uh, that is pretty, pretty incredible, pretty important for fathers, for dads, really for men. And uh, and so we're going to get into that uh, in a minute. Um, but uh, again, happy Father's Day. You know, Mark Twain once said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he'd learned in seven years. <laughs> it's a challenge to be a parent in the 21st century. It's a challenge to be a dad. As a father, uh, it, it, there's an incredible responsibility, and it's a God-given reality. And whether you, uh, you're listening, you have natural children, adopted children, spiritual children, we have to understand that men play a vital role in the health of God's church and in society today. You know, if you read through uh, the Bible, fathers or fatherhood are concepts that are directly referenced 19, over 1,900 times in the Old and New Testament. So therefore, without a doubt, it's been in the mind of God uh, since the very beginning, obviously because God himself has the nature of our father. And so fatherlessness is a major, major problem in Canada. Uh, statistics will show us, this is kind of an older statistic, but in 2004, Canada had over 1.3 million single parent families. 81% of these families were led by women. Now, before we go any further today, you need to know something. Firstly, I want to address all of the uh, single moms, the single ladies in the room, not, not single as in um, not married necessarily, but those who are single moms in the room, uh, single moms that are listening, I want you to know that you are incredible people. You've got to do both sides. You've got to be the mom. You've got to be the dad. You've got to be the provider. You've got to be the nurturer. You've got to do all sorts of things. And and uh, and, and so today um, isn't a, a message to minimize the impact of, um, of uh, uh, the mom or the female, but we are on Father's Day going to focus on men today talking about their role in the life of children, in the life of spiritual children, and really just in the life of others. And so we see that again that at 1.3 million single parent families in 2004, 81% of them were led by women. Statistics show us that 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 70% of youth in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Several years ago, um, there was a, uh, a story that came out of South Africa, and um, officials at the Kruger National Park and Game Reserve in South Africa were faced with a growing elephant problem. The population of the African elephants, once endangered, had grown larger than their part could sustain. So measures had to be taken to thin the ranks, and a plan was devised to relocate some of the elephants to other African game reserves, and being an, obviously an enormous creature, the elephants are not easily transported. So they had 
had to build this special harness to airlift the elephants and fly them out of the park using helicopters. The helicopters were definitely up to the task of carrying these elephants, but as it turned out, the harness they built was not. It could, it could handle the juvenile and the adult uh, female elephants, but it could not handle the huge African bull elephants. A quick solution had to be found. So a decision was made to leave the much larger bulls at Kruger and relocate only some of the female elephants and juvenile males. The problem was solved. The herd was thinned out and all was well at Kruger National Park. And sometimes later, sometime later, however, a, a strange problem uh, started happening on South Africa's other game reserve in uh, Pillensburg National Park where the younger elephants were relocated. Rangers at Pillensburg began finding dead bodies of endangered white rhinoceroses. At first, they thought it was poachers. But the huge rhinos had not died of gunshot wounds and their precious horns were left intact and the rhinos appeared to be killed violently with deep puncture wounds. Not much in the wild uh, can kill a rhino, so rangers set up hidden cameras throughout the park. And the result was shocking. The culprits turned out to be marauding bands of aggressive juvenile male elephants, the very elephants relocated from Kruger National Park a few years earlier. The young males were caught on camera chasing down the rhinos, knocking them over, stomping and goring them to death with their tusks. The juvenile elephants were terrorizing other animals in the park as well. Such behavior was very rare among elephants and something had gone terribly wrong. And so some of the park rangers had a theory. What had been missing was the large male bull. In natural circumstances, the adult bull provided kind of a modeling behavior. And so the juvenile male elephants were, uh, were in this state of, uh, of, of there, there was a mating season and there was high testosterone and th there was a season of their life where they were going through change and they needed male influence. And normally the dominant bulls would manage and, 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 and contain their testosterone-induced frenzy, but there was no one there to model that for them. So the rangers constructed a bigger and stronger harness flew in some of the older bulls left behind at Kruger. I'm not sure why they didn't just do that in the first place. And within weeks, the bizarre and violent behavior of the juvenile elephants stopped completely. The older bulls immediately set those younger bulls in their places. We see the importance of this reality all throughout history, all throughout different experiments and different uh, 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 situations that the male figure, the man, has such an important role to play in the life of a family, in the life of a child, in the life of young people, and really, I believe, in our society. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to spend a few moments, and we're going to actually look at a scripture in the, in, in the book of Genesis that kind of identifies something super powerful that was used, um, uh, and I'll call it the, the, the blessing, and it was used as a way to transfer uh, an inheritance, um, transfer the ownership of a home to the youngest, or I'm sorry, to the oldest uh, uh, male son in the home. And it was this beautiful picture in the uh, Old Testament of, of this, this, um, this transference of authority, of influence, and inheritance. Before we get to the verse, let me give you some context. And the very uh, uh, the, uh, there's a man named Isaac, and he had twins. Uh, the, their names were um, Esau and Jacob. 
When Esau came out of the womb, he was hairy and red all over. He was completely hairy and red. And so his father looked at him based on his outward appearance, based upon the hairiness and the redness of his, uh, his skin he, uh, or his hair. He called him uh, Esau, which means it's kind of like red clay. You know, It means red. So his father named him according to how he looked. Then, uh, out uh, while Esau was coming out of the womb, the second-born child had his hand grasped around the ankle of his older brother, Esau. And when he came out, his father looked at this young boy who had grasped the, the heel of his brother and named him Jacob. He named him not based on his outward appearance, but based upon a label of his inward appearance. He called him Jacob, which means heel biter, backstabber, con artist. He was labeled instantly uh, to be a, a person who was a swindler, a, a deceiver, a con artist. And right away when this young boy was born, he was put into a category with his father of less than. In fact, the scripture actually says in the, in the verse that Esau loved his, or I'm sorry, Isaac loved his son Esau, but his wife loved Jacob. Yeah, Jacob was a young man who would stay around the house and he loved to cook and he didn't really like to go out, didn't like to hunt and didn't like to fish and didn't like to do some of these common things that Isaac loved and Esau loved to do as well. And so they had a bond over that. But Jacob was a young man who was at home and, and Jacob from a young age wanted to impress his dad. He wanted his dad to love him. He wanted his dad to, to be there for him. He wanted his dad to encourage him. He wanted the affirmation of his natural father. And so very early on, Jacob devised a scheme to steal Esau's uh, birthright order. He wanted to have the firstborn birthright order. He wanted that because he thought, maybe if I have this, my dad will love me like he loves my brother Esau. And so I won't tell the whole story, but there's a situation in the Bible where, where, where Jacob tricks Esau and Esau was so tired and so hungry that he ended up giving up his birthright. And so Jacob took the first order birthright from Esau. And then we come to our story today, and uh, now uh, Isaac is about to die. He's losing his sight. He's about to die, and he knows the time's coming, and he wants to lay his hands on his firstborn child, Esau, to give him the blessing, to, to bless him in order that he might be the carrier of the family's business, the inheritance. The, he will be the firstborn son. And so he tells his son to go out and find his favorite game, his favorite animal, hunt it down, kill it, bring it back, prepare me a meal. I'll eat my favorite meal. I'll bless you before I die. And so Esau goes off into the, into the forest and goes hunting. And, uh, and you know, Esau, Jacob, Jacob's mom uh, heard that, um, that this was happening. So she went and grabbed Jacob and said, okay, I'm going to dress you up like Esau. I'm going to put hairy uh, goat's hair on your arms and on your neck, and I'm going to dress you up like your brother Esau, and you're going to trick your, bro your, your father, and you're going to get that blessing. You've already got his birthright, but now you're going to get his blessing. And so Jacob did as his mom said, and they went out to the herd and got a, a, a choice uh, goat and he slaughtered it and prepared a meal. And uh, Jacob went into his father's presence, dressed like his brother Esau, with hair on his arms, so that when his father would touch him on his arm or touch him on his neck, he would feel and think that it was Esau. So this is where we come to our key text. Let's read it together in Genesis 27, verse 18. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? 
Jacob replied, well, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me, and here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. And Isaac asked, well, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Well, the Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. This is an interesting point, just to encourage you today. Many times we come into the presence of either our natural father or even our spiritual father. Um, We come in the presence of of our heavenly father. And we we feel sometimes that we have to pretend to be somebody that we're not in order to impress them. And I want to encourage you today, just be you. With all your garbage, with all your baggage, with all your idiosyncrasies, with all your ups, with all your downs, just be you. And as a father, I know I always want my children to be themselves, to, 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 to not put on a mask, to not pretend to be someone that they're not, but just accept who they are, love who they are, and be themselves uh, in the presence of God. And so let's just keep going here. It says, so Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him and the voice is Jacob's, he said, but the hands are Esau's. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hand felt hairy just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared uh, prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it and he also drank the wine that Jacob served him. And Isaac said to Jacob, Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and he blessed his son. He said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which is which the Lord has blessed. And from the dew of heaven and the riches of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. And, and may you be the master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. So I want to give you just very simply three things from this verse that we should be routinely committing, committed to do in the lives of our children, in the lives of other people, in the lives of our spouses. This really is a supernatural thing, uh, but, but they're all natural points, but they're supernatural in nature. And so we have to understand something about this blessing. This blessing was what God intended for us from the very beginning of time. When he created mankind, he wanted them to be blessed. He wanted them to multiply. He wanted them to have dominion. He wanted them to be blessed in their lives. And this is important to God that every one of us recognizes that he wants to bless us in these ways as well. So very simply here today, the very first one is this, the, the power of routine. Uh, the routine of 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 uh, of of the blessing, as I'll call it. Number one is this, meaningful touch. It says in verse 26, his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. The act of touch is a key to communicating warmth, personal acceptance, affirmation, and even physical health. The word therefore come here is actually the word overlapping crocodile scales. It's like an army coming together for battle. And you can't forget, Jacob was uh, and Esau were 40, almost 40 years old. And so I, Isaac basically said to his son, I want you to come close to me so I can give you a kiss on your lips. I can give you a bear hug. I want to just touch you. I want to put my hands on you. I want to feel you because you're my son. The, the, my, you're, you're, you're my son. Now I want to encourage you today to remember, I'm not talking about unhealthy, ungodly touch. I'm talking about godly, meaningful, appropriate touching of those that you love. I remember a time when I was a young boy. This is a super powerful moment for me. 
I was uh, graduating from kindergarten to grade one, and my dad took me to school. And I don't think my dad took me to very, school very often. Um, I don't remember, but I just remember this one specific time. And I remember I was got my little backpack on, I got my lunch pail, and I'm about to go into my grade one class for the first day. And my dad uh, got down on his hands and knees, and he helped me take my coat off and my backpack off and hung it on the hook. And, and my dad leaned in and said, son, you're going to do a great job. And he leaned in, and he gave me a kiss right on my lips. And I will never, ever forget what that meant to me. I, it's a very vivid memory in my mind, and I remember it very often, that he kissed me on my lips, and it was this moment where I felt his beard on my face and, and the smell of his cologne and his aftershave, and it was such a meaningful moment for me. It impacted my life, and it was just one moment that it maybe didn't even consider the impact it would have in my life. Another and there was a South American um, orphanage, and, uh, and there was a, a bunch of scientific data compiled by um, Rene Spitz. And what he uh, observed and recorded was what happened to 97 children who were deprived of emotional and physical contact with others. Because of a lack of funds, there wasn't enough staff to adequately care for these children ages three months to three years old. But nurses changed diapers and fed and bathed the children, but there was little time to hold and cuddle and talk to them as a, as a mother or a father might. And after three months, many of these children showed signs of abnormality. Besides a low uh, loss of appetite uh, and being unable to sleep well, many of the children would actually lay with vacant expression in their eyes. After five months, Serious deterioration set in. They lay whimpering with troubled and twisted faces. Often when a doctor or a nurse would pick up an infant, it would scream in terror. 27, almost one-third of the children died the first year. And not from lack of food and not from lack of health care. They died of lack of touch and emotional nurture. Because of this, seven more died the second year. Only 21 of the 97 survived. Most suffering serious psychological damage. I mean, what an incredible, credible thing that just to maintain physical and emotional health, men and women need eight to 10 meaningful touches every single day. Researchers shows that premature babies who receive a 45-minute massage a day within 10 days show 47% greater weight gain than children who were not regularly touched. Actual bone growth of young children uh, who had been uh, deprived of parental touch was half of that of bone growth of children who received adequate physical attention. We all know Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe was interviewed by the New York Times and she had a crazy past. She went from foster home to foster home to foster home and she just was shuffled between homes. And one time in this interview, she was asked, did you ever feel loved by any of these foster families like with whom you lived? Did you ever feel a moment where you felt loved? And she said, well, once when I was about seven or eight years old, there was this woman and I was living with her and she was putting on makeup and I was watching her. She was in a happy mood, so she reached over and patted my cheeks with her robe puff, and for that just split second, for that moment, I felt loved by her. While saying this, she had tears in her eyes as she remembered the moment. The touch lasted only a few seconds, and it happened many, many years ago, and it was done casually, and not even an attempt to communicate meaning or great warmth, but it was a small act, and it felt like she was pouring buckets of love and security on a parched life of a little girl who was starved for attention. 
I mean, Jesus did this. Look at this verse in Mark, uh, Mark 10, 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Or the time in Mark uh, chapter one, where a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. He said, he reached out his hand and he touched the man with leprosy. And he said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. This Jesus showed this power of meaningful, meaningful touch. And you and I should routinely be giving meaningful, impactful touches to the lives of people. There's a powerful illustration about this again. Uh, there was a, um, a first day uh, of an introduction to speech class, uh, and it was at a, um, a Christian university. And the teacher was going around the room and basically having the students introduce themselves and respond to the questions. Okay, what do you like about yourself? What's your name? What do you like about yourself? And what don't you like about yourself? And there's a young girl who's in the very back of class, and uh, she had long red hair that hung down over her face, almost obscuring uh, it from view. And when, when, when they went through the whole class, everyone did this exercise. It was in Dorothy's turn to introduce herself, and there was nothing but silence in the room. The teacher thinking that maybe uh, this girl didn't hear, or maybe she had you know something going on there, so he stepped closer, repeated the question again, and again, silence. With deep sigh, Dorothy sat up in her chair, pulled her hair back, and revealed her face. Nearly covering all of one side of her face was a large, irregularly shaped birthmark, nearly as red as her hair. She said, that should show you what I don't like about myself. And man, moved with compassion, this godly professor did something he had never done in his classroom before, prompted by God's spirit. He leaned over and gave her a hug and he kissed her on her cheek where the birthmark was and said, that's okay, honey. God and I still think you are beautiful. Dorothy cried uncontrollably for almost 20 minutes. And soon all the other students started gathering around her and giving her comfort. And finally, she dabbed her tears from her eyes. And she said, I've wanted someone to hug me and kiss me for so long. And this is what she said, why couldn't my parents do that? My mother wouldn't even touch my face. There's such power, power in touch. And you and I can develop a routine of regularly touching our, our loved ones, regularly touching our children, regularly giving meaningful, impactful touch. The second one here, is a spoken message, a verbalized message of good intentions and love. Verse 27 says that after he kissed him, it says Isaac caught the smell of his clothes and said, oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness. In the Old Testament, the family inheritance was being passed on solely by a touch and a word of blessing. Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12.18 says there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
This is like picturing a special future. It's like when you're going out camping, and which I just love camping. I, I actually hate camping. When you go out camping and you, you have to go to the, the bathroom and you go out and you're, you're going to the bathroom and you, you turn around and the campfire is illuminating and man, everything around you is so pitch black, but the campfire and the campsite is illuminated and bright. That is what it's like when you give someone a spoken, verbalized message with a preferred future. You are giving them hope and light and something to look forward to and in the darkness of their life, the, 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 the words that you're giving them and speaking to them is bringing life and light and a warmth of safety. This is such a powerful, powerful reality. Here, Timothy, Paul was talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter one, and it's our kind of key text for this series. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love, of power, and self-discipline. See, Timothy grew up in a home where his father was not a Christian. And so his mother and his grandmother taught him everything about Christianity and what it meant to be, be a follower of God. But he never had that spiritual presence, that spiritual male figure in his life. And so I would like to suggest to you that there was a deficiency in Timothy that Timothy had wonderful women who did an incredible job at raising him in the things of God. But, but because there was a lacking male spiritual presence in his life, there were some things that were lacking. And so Paul came along and fell just in love with Timothy, took him under his wing. He actually calls him his son, my true son in the faith, he calls him. And he begins to identify some things in Timothy that are maybe some deficiency. And he says, listen, God has not given you a spirit. That word, word spirit is the word pneuma, and it speaks to your emotions, and it speaks to who you are in the inside. It speaks to your disposition. And Paul was saying to Timothy, listen, you are, on the inside of you, you are not fearful. You are not timid. You are not that person. You're not lacking courage. You're not excessively afraid. You are not a coward. You are not this person. You have courage, and you have determination. You have confidence, and you've been given a spirit of love and you've been given a spirit of power and you've been given a spirit of of self-discipline or or sound mind this is who you are this is what you've been called to you are not what you think that you are and paul here was speaking life into timothy listen that's not who you are that's not how god made you Many men today have a low self-esteem or are insecure. They don't know who they are. They're trying to prove themselves. We have this external shell that says, I got this and I'm successful and I'm somebody and I'm something. And we really project our lives. I don't need help. And it's really just pride. But the truth is we are afraid. And sometimes we do feel like cowards. And sometimes we do put ourselves first more often than we like to admit. And we often do lack courage and the determination to keep keep going on in life. And we do lack self-confidence and we do have no identity. And many of us struggle in these areas because maybe you didn't have a father in the home or a spiritual father in the home. And and, and we, we learn our identity from our fathers. We are wired and we are created in the very image of God. 
And so you and I actually hold the very bearing image, the very image of our creator. And you need to know something today. I want to speak some truth into you. You are not fearful. You are not timid. You are not a failure. You are not a loser. You are a great dad. You are a great husband. You are a man of God. You can do this. You can build that business. You can pastor that, uh, that church. You can be a ministry. You can. And God has called you. You, are, you bear the very image of our creator, of our father, the Lord Jesus Christ. You bear that image and that's who you are take that message and pass it on to someone else the third thought here is an active commitment to fulfill this blessing so we've got a, a meaningful touch a godly meaningful touch a, a spoken message a preferred future an active commitment to fulfill this blessing in the lives of people Many years ago, my, my wife and I were in Vancouver uh, um, um, and uh, our families were hanging out and, and uh, I was over with Brea uh, and she was playing on the playground. There was tons of people there. And, you know, I was on my phone. I was, I was, I was present. I was there. She was playing. I was there in the, the, by her. I was watching, you know, uh-huh, yeah, honey, yeah, yeah. Daddy, daddy, help me or watch me. Okay, honey. And really I was looking at my phone and texting and doing something on there that probably wasn't very important. And while I was standing there, kind of present, but not really active, not really involved, uh, there was a, a man who came over and started helping my daughter up the slide. And then he started playing with her a little bit more and he started, and she started giggling and he started picking her up and he started walking around with her, holding her hand. And then eventually I saw this man go kind of around the corner around this big rock and my little daughter, Brea, was right behind him. And finally, I realized what was happening and I put my, threw my phone down and I ran over there and I said, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? He goes, oh, you know, I caught him in his tracks. Oh, I'm just, you know, we're just playing, just hanging out. And I said, oh, no, you're not. And I grabbed Brea and I picked her up and I took her over there and I said, sir, you need to go right now. And I kind of, you know, kind of yelled at him and don't worry, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, say anything too ungodly, and uh, I just told him to get out of here. I went back over there, and the Holy Spirit prompted me. He spoke something to my heart. He said, Ryan, I'm not just calling you to be present in your daughter's life. I'm calling you to be active, because if you're just present, someone else will be active in her life. You'll be watching while someone else takes the role that you're supposed to play. And you know, that's just a crazy thought that you and I could be present with our loved ones and not ever be active and miss out on that active commitment to fulfill that blessing in the lives of people. You know, these, routine, these are routines that will help you be active rather than present. So I wanna give you just a few things as we end here this morning, just a few things on how to, uh, how to stay active and not present. Routines, uh, routines that will keep you active. The first one is this, have fun. Men, uh, as a man, as a dad, as a husband. Come on, enjoy every moment you're given on this planet. Ecclesiastes 8.15 says, come on. I, so I recommend, I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. Have some fun. That way they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives us under the sun. Have fun. Eat, drink, enjoy life. Have fun with your kids. Have fun with your spouse. Have some fun. Create routines in your life that will cause you to have fun. Go to the lake. Go camping. Hang out with them. Go on a walk. Play games. Watch movies. Just have a good time. Second one is this. Don't forget their age. 
recently Ezra and I went camping and uh, and I put him to bed around 10 o'clock. He was up late and I was sitting outside next to the fire watching Netflix actually. And uh, he's laying in bed and we had the, the you know, the, the, the tent kind of open, the mesh so he could see through it, but the mosquitoes couldn't get in. And he's laying there in bed. He's got the light on and I'm watching my show with my earphones in. The fire's going. He can see me and he yells, Daddy! Daddy, daddy. And I'm like, what, son? I'm watching a show here, you know? <laughs> and he goes, I'm scared. I said, why? You can see me. We're like 15 feet from each other. I'm right here. Son, it's not a big deal. Just go back to bed. Because obviously I just wanted to watch my uh, my Netflix show. And as I'm watching the show, he yelled, daddy, I'm, I'm scared. Did it again. Daddy, I'm scared. Several times. And then I, I just had this another prompting of the Holy Spirit. Ryan. He's only eight. You can't forget the age of your children. He's only eight. You can't expect him to be something that he's not. You have to be actively committed to speaking life, actively committed to giving meaningful touch, actively committed to recognizing that he's only eight years old. The third one is this, it's a routine to stay active. Say, I'm sorry continuously. Bridge, this bridge is a gap of distance that gives us permission to be distant. When, when you're distant from someone, it could be because maybe you just need to say, I'm sorry. Admitting you're wrong and asking him to forgive you would teach them how to live an active life rather than just existing life. Remember, the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. So guard your house. And that's the, the third one there. I'm sorry, the fourth one. The devil's out to steal, kill, and destroy. So guard your house. This means you gotta make sure all the doors are locked and all the windows are shut spiritually in your home. I realize over the years, and trust me, I'm not perfect at this, that I am the security guard at the door of my home. And whatever enters my home will try to impact my children. And so I have to remember that the devil is out to still kill and destroy them. He's out to still kill and destroy me and my marriage. And then I have to be a guard at the door and set the example for my family and for my children, what I allow in my doors and what I will not allow in my doors. And the last thing here on how to stay active is make sure you love and you date your wife if you're married. Love and date your wife. Ephesians 5.25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Listen, your kids won't just learn to love Christ and his church by attending and serving. Your kids and your children will learn by watching how much you love your wife. And I'm working on this every day. Your love for her teaches them about Christ and her church. What's the goal in all of this? Obviously, the goal is that we'll be the men that God's called us to be. But we want to raise up a generation of people that know who they are, that love God, that live great lives. And as I said, we've got to make sure we understand that the devil's out to kill, still, and destroy us. And you may be here today and you say, you know what? I don't have any kids. Like, this is kind of like my kids are out of home. Or maybe, you're, 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 you, maybe you can't have kids. Or maybe you are not to the place in life where you'll have kids. Remember, this is something that you can do wherever you go as often as you can to, to be constantly and continually giving out the blessing to whoever it is that you can. And as fathers and as men of God, we are called to constantly be giving meaningful touch to those in our life, to constantly be giving a, a spoken message, a verbal affirmation, a preferred future, and lastly, to be committed, to be active in their lives, not just present.
Let's pray. Father, I just pray today, Lord, for those who listen to this message today, uh, would just be blessed. Lord, you bless their lives. I pray that they would be the men that you call them to be. Lord, I pray that if the, the uh, single girls are listening here today, God, they would pray for a man like this. If you're, if you're uh, a, a single uh, parent at home, Lord, I pray that you give them the, the, the capacity to, to, to do these things. And Lord, the, the grace to be able to impact their children, Lord. And even if there's something they're praying for, you'd send a spouse that could support them in this, God. And we just believe, Lord, that you've put this pattern in Scripture to help us understand what it is uh, that we can do to continue to pass on this legacy so that we don't miss a generation, so that we don't skip a beat, so that we, we won't miss out on the opportunity to pass on to our children what it is you've done in our lives. Lord, we love you, and we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.